colleague recently told me about her church's work to help a family from, from Afghanistan resettle here in the United States. One day she was talking with the husband about the differences between Afghan culture and what he is discovering here. He noticed something that has made him curious about our culture. He has seen people coming out of different kinds of stores carrying heavy loads of items. He went on to say to my colleague, where I come from, when you see someone carrying something heavy, you go over and you help them carry it. It's just what we do. We go over and help. Here in America, he went on to say, I noticed that when people are carrying something heavy, people watch and cheer them on, but they don't help. They just let them do it on their own. Now, I don't know the full context that led him to draw that contrast. I don't know if he was somewhere where people don't know how to use a cart. <laughs> Think about that one for a moment. I just don't know. But I hear his observation more as a parable that invites some reflection. What does it take to prompt us to help someone rather than stand around and watch? Or maybe what does it mean to be a community to one another instead of just an observer, a cheerleader, or even a critic? Our scripture passages have similar kinds of questions for us today. In the reading from the Gospel of John, Jesus was speaking to his disciples before the events of Holy Week. This was part of his farewell address to them about what was about to take place and what they would need to do to carry on after he was gone. This is the, also the last of the I am statements Jesus makes in the gospel. You probably know some or all of them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And today's is, I am the vine. They're all different ways of Jesus telling his disciples that God is among them. It's supposed to remind us of the time in the Hebrew Bible when Moses met God at the burning bush and asked what God's name was, and God said, I am. To hear Jesus' words is to experience the presence of God the way Moses experienced God in the burning bush. To hear these words and what comes after, bread, gate, good shepherd, and all the rest, is to hear how God is present and at work in so many different ways to all God's people. Only Jesus isn't simply telling them that the same God is among them as the one who talked to Moses. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. That's the whole metaphor. That's the whole experience of God's presence and what it means to be God's people. We are connected, he is saying. The vine and the branches. That's how Jesus saw his connection to God and our connection as well. Vine and branches go together, source and life, creator and creature. Jesus wanted his disciples to look at this naturally occurring plant and ask the question, how are we branches connected to the vine? How are we practicing connection might be a better question. How are we staying connected? Jesus is about to leave his disciples. The vine won't be with them much longer. 
So how are we going to stay connected to the vine going forward? Well, the metaphor kind of breaks down at that point. But the answer doesn't. And the answer isn't personal. It's communal. It's community, in fact. It's in the way the branches abide in the vine. Because apart from the vine, the branches can do nothing. That's the point of community. Not only staying connected, but practicing connection. In our study of the Gospel of John on Wednesday nights, we learned from author Jamie Clark Souls that if we want to, to strengthen our relationship with God, we have to strengthen our relationships with one another. There's just no way of getting around it, she writes. The two are inseparable. Today, many of us imagine, she says, our relationship with God in very individualistic ways. It's me, Jesus, and my Bible. We don't necessarily assume that our faith depends on the community. But no biblical person in either the Old or New Testament would have ever envisioned a relationship with God as anything separate from the community relationship with God. We are all connected whether we like it or not. God and us, you and me, us and God, having faith at all, let alone being aware of the I am among us. It all comes from community. What we do or don't do does in fact affect the community near and far. This is why Jesus spends so much time here on, on vine and branches and on abiding together. And then we'll go on to talk about friendship and love. Jamie Clark Souls goes on to say, if we are not a community marked by friendship and love, then we should just close up shop. If we're not a community with friendship and love as our key goals and our markers, then we may be many things, some even useful and worthwhile, but we're not a Christian community. Not unless we practice abiding, connecting, being community. That's what makes our, our second reading in the book of Acts important today. How does that early church help us understand Christian community? Notice what they do to stay connected. They learned faith together. They created fellowship. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They believed together. They shared all things in common. They would actually sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. This way of life so shaped who they are, who they were, that they couldn't help but pray with their Jewish friends or go home and eat their meals with glad and generous hearts. I think we're meant to see what happens when a church actually practices love and friendship, community and connection, vine and branches. People belong more to more, to more than just themselves. And the gospel becomes more than a set of words to say. It becomes a way of life together. Lots of people think that if we do all these things, droves and droves of people are going to be beaten down the doors of our churches and want to join us. After all, that's the way the story ends. Maybe that's true. But that's not what attracted the people. What attracted them is who the community was the place to meet God and the people and in their love and friendship for one another. 
People discovered God in the community when they were nurtured together, when there was space for fellowship, eating, and praying together, when people practiced generosity with their goods and made sure that all had what they needed. Who wouldn't want to be a part of, a, of that kind of community where you belong, where you are loved, where you can call someone a friend, where you can say, as they did in that 1980s show, Cheers, where everyone knows your name. What does community look like? It looks like a group of people who strengthen their relationship with one another so they can strengthen their relationship with God. Our deacons and elders gathered together three weeks ago for a leadership retreat at Holmes Presbyterian Camp and Conference Center. We read and reflected on these same scripture passages. We ate and we prayed together. We built and strengthened relationships with each other. We reminded ourselves that radical hospitality is embodied through our five priorities of compelling worship, faith formation, intentional fellowship, inspirational stewardship, and transformational mission. What has become clear, though, as we continue emerging from a pandemic and its effects on our lives, as we continue living through so much uncertainty and doubt, struggling with all that we face in life, wondering about the future of church and faith, having a deep experience of isolation in life, is that we need to make intentional fellowship the focus of this year. How might we be a fellowship together and do fellowship together and do it intentionally so that our relationships with one another strengthen our relationship with God? I'm still thinking about one of the guiding quotes of our time together from Seth Godin. He says, everyone wants to be connected, but we hesitate to be the connected. Everyone wants to be trusted, but we hesitate to trust. Everyone wants to be respected, but we often fail to offer our respect. What an opportunity, he concludes. I wonder if that's what the Afghan father was really looking for in our culture. Not someone to cheer him on as he carried his heavy load, whether it be physical, spiritual, or emotional but someone who saw an opportunity to connect with him. I wonder if that's what Jesus was encouraging his disciples and the church in Acts was discovering. We want to be connected. We need connection. It's who we are. So be a connected. We want to trust. It's who we are. So start trusting. We want to be respected. It's who we are. So offer respect. The opportunity is before us all the time. So I'd like to invite you to practice intentional fellowship this year. Put it on like a pair of glasses. Look again at who we are and what we do through the lenses. How might you and I intentionally build fellowship with one another? saying someone's name during the passing of the peace, sharing a cup of coffee with somebody at coffee hour that we don't know yet, joining the exploration of faith together in one of our Faith for Life studies, showing our children and our youth 
that we actually see them and want to know them. Meeting a new neighbor at, fo at food pantries or cooking together for Jan Peak and noontime meals. Caring for our building so that it welcomes people as warmly as God welcomes us around this table. Inviting someone new to come to church with you and experience what it means to belong. Let's not just assume that we practice fellowship. Let's do it intentionally. Because when we do, when you and I strengthen our relationships with one another, we will strengthen our relationship with God and become the kind of contagious community that others want to join. Amen.